Hi, welcome to Talk About the Passion, episode number 12. This is the uh, first episode of 2018. My name is uh, Christian Campagna, and uh, I realized I've never said my name on this podcast ever. Uh, I think it's on the podcast when you see it, uh, but that's how you pronounce it if you ever need to uh, feel the need to pronounce my last name. There you go, Campagna. Um, so I took a few weeks off at the end of the year, and uh, here we are back with a new episode. Uh, I recorded this a while back with my friend Kevin Cafferty right here at the uh, Lake House. Uh, talk about the pa- talk about the Passion Podcast Studios, which is uh, basically my living room or dining room, uh, depending on the time of day. Um, it's a new year, and uh, there's some. Exciting things coming up for the podcast this year, I think. And uh, on a smaller level than that, I'm on uh, Instagram now as well as Twitter. I think I talked a little about maybe going on Instagram the last uh, time I was on here. And uh, yeah, I decided to do that, so we'll see how that goes. Um, my Twitter uh, is at TATPpod, and the Instagram is at uh, TATPpodcast. And uh, I put both of those up during my little break here, so there's not much content on there right now, but I plan on keeping those up to date. So um, so if you have those, you can follow me there. Uh, also, a fun thing you can do is uh, say you listen to this podcast on iTunes. Uh, why not give me a little rating if you have a second? I don't ask for much here, you know, so just uh, let me know how I'm doing. Uh, with that said, uh, the, the, this podcast, I say that a lot, huh? With that said, Jesus, uh, this podcast is a solo operation. Uh, aside from the artwork uh, my friend Angela Smith did for the uh, logo here, uh, I've done everything else. The, auto, the audio part, I think, is getting a little better, uh, getting the word out with social media and that kind of stuff. When a new episode airs, it uh, seems to be going smooth. Uh, here's where you come in, though. And I, I, I don't mean to ask you all these favors, listener. Um, but if you want, uh, do you know someone who should be on here? Uh, maybe you should you be on this podcast? Should I even be on here? Uh, wait, what? Uh, if So if you or someone you know would like to be on here, let me know. Uh, it's a pretty painless operation. Uh, you know, we exchange a few messages, set up a time. You can come to me in Rentham, Mass, which is uh, sort of in between Gillette Stadium and Providence. Um, or I can come to you. Uh, nobody really wants to come to this neck of the woods. And uh, it's a little creepy here, uh, especially at night. Um, so maybe we'll we'll resume the, the interviews here in the spring when there's light. Um, uh, I have this little mobile setup. Uh, talk for about an hour. I leave. I upload it a little time later, and that's that. Two or so hours of your life are gone for, you know, this lifelong documented interview with uh, yours truly. You know, you couldn't ask for much more. And of course, if you're an artist, you know, musician, filmer, filmmaker, writer, uh, whatever, uh, and you want to promote something, we can do that. Also, I'm open to everything with this podcast, and uh, so far it's been great doing this. So uh, let me uh, stop talking and uh, get to what's going on with this episode. Uh, episode 12's guest is uh, Kevin Cafferty. Uh, Kevin's a friend I've met uh, a few years ago. He's involved in filmmaking, and uh, he talks a little bit about uh, the documentary he made called It's a Bash, about the uh, Rhode Island band Neutral Nation. Uh, he talks a little bit about growing up in uh, Rhode Island. Uh, he hosted this uh, radio show in college, and uh, as well as uh, his time working in television. Uh, he's an interesting guy. I, you know, I we're casual friends, and uh, you know, I didn't know much about him. So this uh, interview was eye-opening for me, and uh, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know about him, uh, and uh, and then some stuff uh, that he's involved in that I didn't know about, such as uh, immersive theater, which is uh, the subject of a documentary he's currently working on. That sounds uh, pretty interesting. So, uh, and his good friend Michael Brousseau, uh was featured on this podcast. Uh, and uh, Michael talked a little about Kevin, and uh, some of that is addressed here. So, uh, so like a few of these episodes now, you know, everything seems to be kind of connected, man. 
anyway, I held this episode for a bit so we could release it before this uh, Neutral Nation It's a Bash movie and performance from the band, which is taking place on January 12th at the Greenwich Odium in uh, East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Uh, Kevin gives the details on that during the episode and uh, near the end of the episode, so you should check that out. Uh, I finally got around to watching the uh, film the other day, and uh, it's actually great. I, uh, I wasn't really familiar with Neutral Nation, although I imagine I saw them at one point. Uh, the film and the band are great. Uh, I think this interview came out great, and uh, check it out. Yeah, here's Kevin Cafferty, and uh, thanks for listening. here with my friend uh kevin cafferty hey how's it going good good uh so we've known each other for maybe a couple years mostly from online uh online the occasional hardcore show yeah yeah occasional i think we first met at that seven seconds show maybe in uh in uh alston a few years back maybe yeah god that that was a fun show yeah 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 that was definitely uh that's where i met sort of all of you uh rhode island folks and people i knew from facebook so that was cool and we've maintained some good friendships and and cool so it's cool that you came out to do this and uh you know oh, i'm really psyched too yeah. yeah uh so you grew up in uh where did you grow up i grew up in a town called smithfield in rhode island mm-hmm. which is kind of in the northern portion mm-hmm. it's become more sort of built up okay in the years since when i lived there i kind of lived on a dirt road sort of in the woods like yeah. i didn't I didn't get cable till I was in high school yeah. and there was just kind of like, there were very few houses. It's, it's become like this kind of built up plat now with a bunch mm-hmm. of streets in all directions. But right. when I lived, it was fairly in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I'd say the one saving grace mm-hmm. when I was there was it was kind of near um, Bryant college, it's, which is Bryant university. Now right. they had a college radio station, Okay. which was not like the best college radio station, but it was the closest college radio right, station. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I could get it in well, yeah. and there was uh, there was one show that played like punk and hardcore music yeah. called Moshing with a Meatball. Oh, yeah. Um, so how old were you when you first started hearing that stuff? The first time I heard that stuff was, I, I guess, I don't know if it was like REM count. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, I think so. I think anything... Anything other than you know when you heard Boston and Foreigner, you know there was always <laughs> yeah because I was to be always heard. I have a very distinct but. memory. I had a paper route when okay. I was about eleven, and I remember being on my paper route, and I had I had just known like kind of top forty radio until yeah. then, and I just started exploring with my Walkman, yeah. like the lower ends of the dial. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Where I found this JMF station, mm-hmm. and. Almost immediately upon finding it, the DJ played that song, um, It's the End of the World as We Know It, and oh, I yeah. feel fine. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, this is the greatest song <laughs> I've ever heard in yeah, my yeah. entire life. Mm-hmm. And not knowing who the band was or anything, and just having to call the radio station constantly. Yeah, yeah. Being, like, I had to look up the number of the radio station in the phone book yeah, 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 right. and call it and be like, who is that song? Yeah. With the And, you know, the DJ didn't know because it was right. a different show. And, yeah. Um, and then from there, kind of, that was sort of my gateway into getting into yeah. underground music. And uh, I, the other big one that I remember mm-hmm. distinctly was there were kind of these older skateboardy kids that my older brother was somewhat friendly with yeah. uh, when I was in, in junior high. And I remember I was tagging along with him and they listened to uh, the Sex Pistols. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. the first time I heard like Anarchy in the UK. Yeah, yeah. It was like getting punched in the stomach. Oh yeah, I know, <laughs> like right? I was, I was just like, I didn't know music could do this. <laughs> yeah, and it was so that was like it was it was immediate love. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing, I don't know, I don't know if it's interesting, but um, one of my dad's cousins yeah. was a or is like uh, a musician. He had like some hits in the eighties. Uh, yeah, he was in the, like that song on the dark side. Oh yeah, uh, uh, John. Oh, John, I was just gonna. You know what I was gonna ask? Yeah. Him, then I was like, maybe I shouldn't ask him that. But yeah, I, yeah, I know. I know. John uh, my dad's cousin was John Cafferty. Oh, John okay. Cafferty, and right. he had. And I remember chatting with him at a family reunion, maybe like ten years ago, and he described to me the first time 
he heard Dwayne Eddy. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. like word for word me describing to people the first time I heard the Sex Pistols. Yeah, it, it seems like it, and most of the, a lot of the feedback I've been getting of this podcast is people saying, yeah, that guy's story or that woman's story is the same exact story as mine. You know, so I, I feel like I, I think a for lot a of people certain, do the same. I think for a certain type of person, there's definitely a commonality. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was in a John Cafferty video when I was oh, a, yeah? when I was a little kid. Yeah, nice. And he... Uh, does he? He doesn't still perform, does he? Uh, he does. He, yeah. you know, he plays uh, the Ocean Mist, and oh, right. I think he, uh, he, you know, plays around Rhode Island. I think right. he does these kind of. Uh, I think I think he does well with like corporate gigs and right, stuff. Right. So nice. yeah, he's still out playing. Interesting. Um, so, how long were you in Smithfield? I was in Smithfield up until I went away to college. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends, and I had like I had like my one friend in Smithfield, and. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's one of those things where when you're like at least at the time I don't think this is the case now but yeah. I could be mistaken at the time you know I had like uh, you know you get like the REM shirt yeah. and you'd go to like the mall and then if you see the other Another person guy, yeah, yeah. in the REM shirt you're like oh this person is someone I'll yeah, be friends yeah. with oh and definitely yeah like I remember uh, you had uh, Michael Bruso on this show yeah. before and I remember the first time I met him we were both wearing like Bloom County t-shirts. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's, it's great. Uh, that that was. So I made friends with like these kids in Woonsocket, like uh, Liam Gray and Mike yeah. Bruso, and mm-hmm. part of that was through. Um, are you familiar with like the computer BBS scene? Mm-mm. No. What is that? Uh, it's sort of like before the internet was really popular. That's what people did who were into computers. Okay. And it was imagine if like only one person could go on Facebook at a time. Right. I, I remember my we we had one of those. Uh, Adam computers, I think mm-hmm. uh, ColecoVision or one of those. And my older brother had some sort of thing that was, uh, must have been the late 80s that was, you chatted with other people. So I don't know if that was like a similar. Yeah, and it's like, I had like a 300 baud modem on my <laughs> Commodore 64. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was this, uh, there was this bulletin board system called Dragnet. Okay. And that's where I met Liam. Oh, all right. Um, and because we were the only two. Uh, people who were into computer BBSs who yeah. liked punk rock music. Everyone right. else was into, you know, prog rock and yeah, yeah, and yes. Yeah, so we would, <laughs> we'd be like, "That's lame." Did, right? Haven't you heard the Dead Kennedys? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you guys ended up becoming good friends, and you you did a radio show. Yes, um, I had mentioned the moshing with a meatball show. Yeah. Um, Liam was able to get that in in Woonsocket, and we would yeah. listen to that. And I remember we were like twelve, thirteen years old talking yeah. to it. And we'd like talk to each other and be like, well, someday we're going to do that. We're yeah. going to do a radio show. Right. And it totally happened. Uh, yeah. I uh, chose my college based on the radio station. Oh, yeah? Um, I went to the University of Rhode Island because WRAU was, at, you know, could broadcast to the entire state. Right. And, you know, I my first stop, even before I went to my dorm, was I, I went, to the, went to the radio station to be like, yeah. you know, how can I get into this? And right. Um, Liam did not go to the college, but he did the show with oh, me. Oh, okay, yeah. And that worked out. We did that show for for five years. It was called Shindig. Okay. Um, and at least because the station had such wide reach, and I also think the timing was really good because it was, you know, we started it in like 1993. Okay. So it was right when, uh, it was right after like Nirvana hit and like yeah. Green Day Dookie and... Mm-hmm. We were, yeah, and I'd it. say we were a little more pretentious yeah. than that, but there was such an audience for yeah. like hardcore and punk music anyway, and right. no one else was really doing it in the area. Everyone right. else was kind of doing these indie rock shows, yeah, yeah. and so we were the only ones playing like Los Crudos and Bikini Kill, nice. and it uh, it was like weirdly popular for a college radio show. Yeah. We would get fan mail, oh yeah, and. Uh, like we had this army of like fifteen year old boys who would like <laughs> call in constantly every week. The show was like Fridays from midnight to three. Right. So from like midnight to one, you'd have um, like fourteen and fifteen year olds staying up late to listen. Right. And then from two to three, the clubs would get out. So then you'd get this new um, group of listeners right. from hmm. uh, getting out of the clubs. But like we'd do that show, and like the phones would ring like off the hook through the whole show. Huh, that's crazy. Um, the interesting thing for me while doing it, it was kind of humbling because, 
you know, it was like Liam and I were like, well, let's do this radio show. It'll be great. And yeah. I mean, you know, Liam, Liam is like so sharp and so yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah. And so doing this thing that was kind of popular and realizing that, you know, I was the Garfunkel. <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, just like, wow, Liam is, um, Liam's the one everyone likes. <laughs> and I was, I mean, I think I was a pretty good straight man to yeah, him, yeah. but he yeah. was, he was the really funny one. Yeah. Hmm. And I was the one with all the records. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, that's the, the most important thing at the end of the day, I think. <laughs> you control the, uh, you know, procuring all the uh, the music. Or curating, sorry. Yeah, controlling the, the music that we play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I I think when I talked to Michael, he talked about, like, he would raid your record collection. So you've, have you always been sort of a, just a, a collector or just, like, embraced like tons of different music and yeah i think i just i wanted all the records yeah. <laughs> was, um yeah i between from like rem and the sex pistols and then uh, i got interested in hip-hop and i just yeah. you know getting into those bands and being like okay who influenced that yeah and i just wanted everything yeah um, you want to keep like going backwards and see yeah and uh i was i was like a big mixtape guy and trying yeah. to you know, trade mixtapes with people and yeah. discover bands that way. It was yeah. when uh, when I was working at the radio station, it was great because people would like send me records. Right. Yeah. Um, but I would also just spend any f- free amount of money I had on records. I, yeah. I I just liked having music. It was weird for me when sort of music all went digital because yeah. you know I have all these records and I'm sort of like, oh, I, you know, what do I do with these? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Um, and I know, yeah, when I lived with Mike, he. Um, he he had mentioned that he was like a bad CD borrower. I was I'm very because I had so many. Right, right. It was sort of like if I start getting like lazy with what goes in what case, like it'll just be chaos and I won't know where anything is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I I tend to do that sometimes, and then you just kick yourself because you you know, especially if you have you know thousands of CDs. And oh, totally. And something and another one. Especially like the radio show we did, like we would just play like punk and hardcore music. But yeah. I got like super into all of that, like Sarah Records twee pop at oh, the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was uh, my friend Keith Darcy did a radio show called The Pop Shop, and okay. he got me into all of that. And I yeah. was like, I was like, well, this is like just as uh, out there as the punk rock stuff. Yeah, but yeah, it's, definitely. It's more like gentle and polite. Yeah, and, yeah. It's a completely different thing but it's uh it's yeah but i was like i can't play this on the punk rock show because right. um that it it didn't and liam hated it so yeah, I, yeah um like i wasn't into metal and liam wasn't into twee pop so we'd, right we'd play like what we agreed on yeah yeah and uh so that, did that just end because you weren't you graduated and basically yeah i yeah. was the program director okay. um partly because i wanted to get away with anything I could and so yeah. when you're the program director you're the person who decides what can and can't right. fly on the air yeah yeah um and so that sort of gave me a buffer against yeah. people saying like well you can't like talk about um you know blue matter or you know you, right, right, you can't yeah, work yeah. blue right right um especially like there was like the safe harbor rules where because we were on at midnight we could right you know uh really go up to the line of what was acceptable. Right, right. And once I stopped being program director, I knew the knives were going to come out right, for right. me, so yeah. I thought it was best to to get out. Also, it's it's kind of like I felt like it would it was like a thing. It was like 5 years was a good time to a do like run. a punk rock radio station mm-hmm. radio show and maybe it was time to to stop that. I do think that's like the thing in my life that has had the biggest impact on people where people like, you know, I'll get emails from people saying, like, oh, that changed my life. And yeah. that was, like, the goal. Because yeah, when yeah. I would listen to the Moshing with a Meeple Yeah, that's show, what it did for you. Yes, and I was like, that's what I want to do. The, yeah. the problem there was that was, like, my life goal. Right. <laughs> and so I was about 21, and I was like, okay, right. well, I've done that. Right. <laughs> you said you, you worked in uh, television or TV news? Is that what you were? Uh, yeah, when I, got, when I got out of college, I... Because I went to college for the radio station, right. so I needed some kind of job, and I, uh, I was a journalism major just because that seemed like a, th- you know, mm-hmm. a, a, an interesting 
major to me that where you could maybe get a job more so than being an English major. Right. Um, obviously, journalism is a, a really good career to be in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I worked in TV news for like seven years. Yeah. Um, I worked up here in Boston. There okay. Was a, there was like a morning show mm-hmm. uh, on the Fox affiliate. And, okay. Um, I kind of got on the water skiing squirrel beat where I would... <laughs> I would just kind of do dumb stories right. um, that I would pitch, and they'd be like, "Yeah, sure." I'd be right. like, "I did one on like the roller derby." Right. Um, I did one on uh, I did one on Mike Brusso. Oh yeah. Tattooing uh, mustaches onto people's fingers. Oh yeah. And that yeah. one got nominated for an Emmy Award. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on so this was uh, was it just on the like the the like twenty five Fox twenty five? Yes. Oh, right. I used to watch that in the morning with. Uh, like VB with and VB and Gene and Kim. Gene Fili- yeah, yeah. Yes, I've Gene Levanchi. Yeah, I've since switched to Channel Seven. But uh. well, the the twenty five morning show. I, at sometime after I left, mm-hmm. um, they got the station got new owners and they wanted to just do like a straight news show. Right. They didn't want any of the kind of wacky shenanigans right, right. that we did when we started that show because that show started in two thousand three and it was like a new show and it was like four hours of this local show right and they let us really just try whatever we wanted to right. you know see what stuck mm-hmm. and what worked and so it was like a weirdly creative job for local tv news right um i would you know they i could create segments they'd like fly me places just to write blogs oh wow like they flew me to the super bowl really one year just huh. to write blogs and i don't yeah, like yeah. football right um yeah I I remember being in a meeting uh, with like the news director, yeah, and she she was like, "Oh, we want to send you to the Super Bowl, you know, to write blogs, right. yeah, for the website." And I was like, "I don't know anything about football," right? And she was like, "Oh, that's fine. There'll be people there who know <laughs> about football." So I just wrote about like the snacks they served. <laughs> yeah, I'm like in uh, I'm in the top five of like the football pool at my work, and I don't I haven't watched a game. All, like, I, don't, I don't think I could name five professional football players, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just as a side. But so, how so? How long did you do that for? Uh, I left news in two thousand seven. Yeah, and I, I worked in tech startups for a while, just because yeah. I wanted to get out of news because I was sick of like working every holiday, right? And working on the weekends, yeah. and the pay sucks, right? Right. Um, so I went into tech startups for a while, and that's when I started making. Uh, like the documentary movies. Yeah. And after working in tech, then I, I started working in biotech up in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Just um. To, uh, just there was a need for, there was a need for video in the biotech world, and yeah. I, I was able to fill that niche. Nice. Um, but on the side, I was uh, I would ma- I made like the. The documentary about like the the '80s hardcore scene mm-hmm. in Providence yeah. called "It's a Bash." Yeah. And uh, there's a screening of that. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, there's a screening in Martin Luther King weekend in January. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to look up the name of the place on my phone sure. right now. This was uh, centered around the band Neutral Nation. Yes. Yeah, so, um, were they a thing? Because you were up here. Were they like a I thing? I was a North Shore guy. Um, I remember them. I don't know if I remember ever seeing them. I remember seeing uh, Verbal Assault and Idle Rich a mm. number of times. And maybe a, a band called Vicious Circle. Okay. It might have been a Rhode Island. I feel like there was. I mean, there's like, there was a European one, but I think there was one from Rhode Island as well. But but I'm not sure. Okay, here's here's the info. Uh, mm-hmm. January 12th, screening of It's a Bash, mm-hmm. followed by a Neutral Nation live performance nice. at the Greenwich Odium in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Oh, nice. So uh, if you want to check out the It's a Bash Facebook page, there's a, a link there's a there. Okay. Um, yeah, Neutral Nation were one of those bands that were, they were really popular in Providence. Yeah. And they had a really hard time breaking out of Providence, even right. in Boston. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was really interesting because I thought they were fantastic. Right, right. Yeah, they like seem to be like a cult group yeah like i think there it's a bash album like you could that kind of holds up with some of the national stuff that was coming out at the time and i kind of wanted to work on a a movie that was sort of like 
a love letter to punk rock. Yeah. And sort of like everything I love about punk rock music. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I made it with uh, my friend Dave Battencourt. Okay. Um, and, you know, we were, it, we spent like probably a year and a half like interviewing a bunch of people. And it's got kind of like all the Providence people from that time in it. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's one of those things I look at now and I only see what's wrong with it. But, yeah. um, you know, I like the intention behind it. I like the love of it. Yeah, yeah. And if if you watch it, you probably shouldn't see what's wrong with it. You yeah, just, right, right, yeah. You should just, it, you know, bask in the punk rock love. Right. Um, yeah. When you initially mentioned it to me, I thought it was a movie that was coming out, and I looked it up the other day and saw that it, it's you can watch it on uh, YouTube. Yes. Okay. So I, I definitely have to check that out. Yeah, and there's like a there's there's a DVD. Right. That I have like a case of them in my basement. <laughs> right. Although we shouldn't be advertising the YouTube thing because we won't be probably want people to come to the screening but yeah i mean it's more i'm mostly interested to see like like with an audience like do the bits that are supposed to be funny play right. like that. yeah, yeah. and we're like we've done screenings in the past um yeah. and generally the bits that are supposed to be funny yeah play um it was weird like doing a documentary like that coming out of news because like the f- my first pass at it mm-hmm. like it played like a tv news piece oh really and yeah. i watched like the first five minutes and i was like this doesn't work at all <laughs> yeah as a documentary yeah um so it was it was an interesting learning curve and yeah then, then i spent like a couple years after that um i was like oh this is like the movie about what i love about punk rock and then I was going to make a movie about like what I don't like about punk rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Dave and I spent like a couple years trying to make a movie about like like Screeching Weasel and like the <laughs> 90s punk yeah. scene. And yeah, yeah. like, holy cow, did that fall apart. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So who, so were you a big documentary fan? or? Um, yeah, I was. Yeah. I, um, who were some of your uh, favorites? I was, I, I was really into Crumb, like the Robert yeah. Crumb documentary. Oh, yeah, that one, one really knocked my socks off. Yeah. Um, I really like the King of Kong, mm-hmm. um, the the Errol Morris stuff. I really dug. I think Thin Blue Line. No, no, no. Yeah, Thin Blue Line. Yeah, Thin Blue yeah. Line. Yeah. Uh, Gates of Heaven about the Pet Cemetery. Yeah. I find like to me the documentaries I really love either have, um, you know, very eccentric people in them or yeah. kind of a a sense of narrative of like, well, what's going to happen next, right? So and if you can combine the two, that's yeah. that's even greater. So I with the with the screeching weasel one, like we basically had finished shooting, like we had a complete documentary, really, and we were going to start editing it. And then, do you remember that thing at South by Southwest? No, uh, where the singer, uh, like Ben, got in an yeah Ben got in an altercation on stage and yeah. like punched out two women. Uh, so and he's... and we were like, well, shit, we have to go back to square one. So then we had to like. So then it's like the movie's about this. Right, yeah. Um, but then it turned into like a whole, like, Ben didn't really want it made then. And right. He has very good lawyers. And so uh, it's just, there's, Dave has all of the footage, and I don't know if he's ever going to do anything with it. Right. But I, you know, I just had to to walk away from that. Yeah, and that's too bad. Yeah, it was. It was, I mean, we spent like two years shooting that. It, yeah. it was interesting, like, just going back and interviewing all these people who were like teenage heroes of mine. Yeah, yeah. Uh so yeah, so how so you obviously knew Neutral Nation and those guys and I didn't know them before we made the movie. Yeah, okay. They were sort of the generation before, which right. I think was good because it wasn't like making a movie about my friends. It was right, like right. it was sort of making a movie about I mean they were friends of friends and right. I uh became friendly with them you know, over the course of making it, it's right. a, it's a fairly flattering portrayal. So I think, I think they, they all like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they were hoping it would make money and it did right. not really make money. Right. Um, but it, uh, you know, they, they're really, they're all, re- it almost, they're almost too nice because uh, if they were bigger jerks, I think it would have made for a more <laughs> compelling film. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I still think they're, we were able to like turn, their story into an arc nice nice but yeah they they were they were super nice whereas with the stuff about the 90s i felt like those those characters were more uh volatile and it's all what i found really interesting about the 90s too was like how how much money was flying around with music yes it's crazy huh actually the 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 podcast i'm gonna do 
uh, that I recorded last week with my friend uh, Kevin Patey, uh, who's in the Raging Teens. Um, his ex-wife was uh, Mary Lou Lord, and he oh, okay. talks a lot about that when, in the 90s when she got signed and she was hanging out with, like, Elliot Smith. So he talks a lot about that. Like, he tells some pretty funny stories about just the money they would waste, the major labels and stuff. And so it's, it is crazy. And, I, like, working at the radio station and working in record stores through the 90s, it was the, the plus side was, it was just a wealth of good music, you know, and... Yeah, like, did you ever go to those, like, college music journal conferences? I never did. My brother did, the CMJ in New York. He went to a number of times. And they, everyone always had great stories from those. And yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It was, uh, and, like, just shows everywhere. Yeah, just yeah. All the, it was the money these labels would spend. Um, yeah. Just last weekend, I went to the to see the Jawbreaker documentary. Oh, yeah. How was that? Uh, I really liked it, but yeah. I... Get the sense that how much you like Jawbreaker is going to directly right. correlate to how much you will like this movie. Right. And I like Jawbreaker a lot. Yeah, so. yeah. Nice. When is that uh, going to be released on? I would imagine Which, at some yeah, point, yeah. but I think right now they're doing screenings in yeah. theaters. Um, probably for business reasons. Cause yeah. I think, you know, you put it on Netflix or Amazon. and Right. I don't know how much money you get there, but I think if right. you rent out the brattle and it sells out, yeah, yeah, then and that's a good thing. Um, so you're working on another documentary now, or yeah, I just started. Um, okay. I'm working on a documentary about. Uh, I got really into immersive theater about six or seven years ago. Not doing it, but like going right. to see it. There okay. was this. Uh, so what is that immersive theater? Um, immersive theater is kind of like where you. It's like a play, but you wander through it. Yeah. So um, there was a show in Boston in 2009 called Sleep No More. Okay. And what they did was they took an abandoned like junior high school, mm-hmm. and they put the show, which was an adaptation of Macbeth, right. um, throughout the entire like building. Yeah. And they like each classroom was like a different set. Right. And you just wander through it, and it's dark. Right. And you kind of decide which character is interesting and you follow them. And sometimes right. a character, my first five minutes in the show, it's like my wife and I go in there yeah. and I'm in there five minutes. It's dark. There's all this like scronky music. And like one of the characters just grabbed me by the neck and dragged me into a room and locked it. And it's just <laughs> me and this character. And um, she started licking my face. <laughs> and it was like, it blew my fucking mind, man. Yeah. It was you know how like I I think I talked about it like you when I heard the Sex Pistols for the first time and right. you know how what a kick in the stomach that was right. and I just assumed that I that's the response you have to art when you're an adolescent right right and this was the first time as an adult mm-hmm. where I experienced something artistic and I had that same reaction it was yeah. like hearing punk rock for the first time right and I just completely fell for it yeah. and. Um, I've seen it like a billion times. And, right. Um, so I realized that like the 10th anniversary of that show was coming up mm-hmm. and I thought it would be cool to commemorate that and try and make a documentary looking back on that yes. show, which is going to be interesting because there is no footage of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of an interesting challenge. Yeah. Um, and I've shot a little bit so far and I've kind of talked to some of the people and I'm scoping it out and the 10 year anniversary is 2019. So I'm sort of on track yeah. for like a year, like a year and a half to try right. and put it together. Nice. The people involved seem they're interested in doing it. Um, the ones I've spoken to do. Yeah. Um, I haven't spoken to everybody yet. Right, right. Um, but I, enough people seem interested that I think I'm just going to forge ahead and, Nice. And see what I can come up with. I, yeah. I think it's uh I think it's I think it's an interesting story yeah. and I also think no one else is going to do this. Right, right. Because that's always hard. You think like, oh, this might be an interesting documentary, and then you you know there's do a Google search and right. someone's made it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just found out recently there's a uh a podcast called Let's talk about Pat. Or it's very similar to mine. I can't remember the exact name, but it's very like if you search mine on iTunes or just where where you would search podcasts, that one comes up as well. And it's a guy 
basically <laughs> the description of it is almost the exact same as mine. So, but you know, whatever. It's but you know, maybe one of us. Is I mean, it like do people talk about hardcore records? No, no, yeah, See? yeah, so. exactly. So and. Uh, yeah, and they don't talk about hot dog tattoos. Hot dog tattoos and immersive theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so were you always into theater in general? or uh, Not super into it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where, especially I think just kind of you know growing up and being into into punk rock music and you know comic books and Dungeons right. and Dragons, it's just not something that kind of crossed my radar. I right. would go in college... Because I'd get free tickets through the radio station. Right. Um, and if I would like have a date with someone, I would. Right. I, th- I thought that would seem like fancy and impressive. Right, right. Um, so I saw some good stuff then. And then uh, my wife and I started going more and more. And uh, for a while, we were subscribing mm-hmm. to some theater companies, which is how we saw the Sleep No More thing. Because I went right. into that not knowing what the hell it was going right. to be. <laughs> um, and then. You know, uh, since I saw that immersive, that's kind of like that was kind of like ground zero for this immersive theater U.S. Yeah, thing. It was bigger in England, okay. um, but there's a lot of it in New York. So I'll I'll try and go down and see some shows there. There's a really good show called Then She Fell, which is kind of like an Alice in Wonderland thing. Oh, really? Yes, huh. and that's still running. And uh, the Sleep No More show is running in New York. Yeah, right now still. Huh. Um, and in Shanghai. They opened really? in Shanghai too, but oh, wow. not in Boston. Yeah. In Boston it only ran for five months. Yeah. Um, but it was so hard to get tickets by the end that right. like people were it was like seven hundred bucks on Craigslist. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh so you just mentioned you you were a comic. Yes. And a D and D guy too? Yeah, like uh, if you're playing like nerd bingo, the, the <laughs> computer the... BBSs, comic yeah. books, Dungeons and Dragons, um, REM shirts, REM yeah. shirts, anything yeah. that involved like not getting dates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as have... an adolescent, I went back recently. Well, not recently, maybe ten years ago or something. And rebought all the. I have them over there. The uh, original DM guide and uh, deities and demigods and the monster manual and that kind of stuff. Which they had on uh, that show Stranger Things the other night. Oh yeah, uh, they the kid took out one of the things, and of course I had to pull it out and be like, I, I have that book. <laughs> I mean, um, I, s- I stopped playing D anD D in like eighth or ninth grade. Yeah, same and, here. And then I got back into it. Yeah, um, as a middle aged man. Yeah, in probably uh, one of the tamer midlife crises. Yeah. <laughs> crises. <laughs> Um, and now there's like in my neighborhood, there's like the neighborhoods, neighborhood dads, Dungeons and Dragons group. Yeah, they're on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, my first uh, interview on this, uh, Peter, was he's been talking to me about getting back into playing again. So it's, but, I mean, uh, it's a fun, it's it's it a is. fun time. Yeah. It's I mean, I have more fun now than I did when I was a kid because it was right. harder to round people up living um, in the woods. Right, right. Um, but yeah, and I. Again, with comic books, it's sort of like I got out of it. Once I discovered punk rock, it was kind of right. like that was... That was the thing. When I was a teenager, it was kind of like records was the thing. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of what happened to me. I, once I got records, even like girls was like, eh, whatever. I'd rather <laughs> and, <laughs> go to uh, Newberry Comics and I have $27. And, you know. and then I kind of got back into comic books like later on. Okay. I read, there was a blog you wrote about uh, getting Stan Lee's autograph oh right that yeah. was pretty interesting um so michael had mentioned you he said something about you interviewing people at comic conventions or something is that oh yeah at rhode island comic-con okay um for a couple years mm-hmm. i would like interview like the cast of buffy the vampire slayer yeah. live on stage which totally came about from there was a comic book store in in providence called atomic comics okay. uh, run by this great guy named Steve Alquist and uh, I would you know I was working in TV news in Providence at the time so I was working nights mm-hmm. so I'd go every Wednesday to right. the comic book store and it was like uh, the other guys who would show up every Wednesday at the comic book store it was yeah. like the Algonquin round table for morons <laughs> kind of all standing around right. um, you know discussing the latest doings of the <laughs> comic book industry and, yeah, yeah. and the previous night's Buffy the Vampire right. Slayer yeah yeah um, and one of those guys wound up doing the bookings for 
the Rhode Island Comic Con when that started up, and he knew I was you know completely obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm sure like, Buffy. Yeah. I, oh right. God, so, I fucking love Buffy. So you guys are pretty crazy because I worked at a Rounder Records, mm-hmm. and we were at the at the time when I was there, we released the soundtrack to. There was a musical episode called Yes, Once More with Feeling. Yeah. And I remember, I think we were giving away, uh, remember record flats that they would hang up at record stores? We were giving out autographed ones that were autographed by uh, the creator or the the composer, who was the the guy that wrote the music? Uh, Christoph Beck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they were autographed by him, but. So. People were calling like people like when they didn't get the the order like that day that they were supposed to get it on like the street date they were they were some angry Buffy <laughs> fans um, so I'm sorry so you yeah. would do these conventions and so uh, yeah I would just interview these uh, Buffy cast members yeah. at Red Island Comic Con and um, I would occasionally like uh, moderate panels at like the San Diego Con too. Oh, nice. um, uh, Steve and uh, my friend Chris Riley, who sadly passed away a few years ago, mm-hmm. they had a comic called Strange Eggs, and I would so I would interview them at San Diego sometimes. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, also in Jan- also Martin Luther King weekend, uh, I'm I'm a panelist at the Orizia Convention. Um, I'm doing a panel about the I'm moderating a panel on on the great Jack Kirby. Yeah, nice. and uh, I'm doing a panel about the history of Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, that's awesome. Which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. Who were some of your favorite uh, Saturday morning? Well, there was the Dungeons and Dragons ones, obviously. Yeah. Um, I liked the phenomenon of shows that were primetime shows that they would turn into a Saturday morning cartoon oh, and yeah. then add a superfluous right. sidekick character like uh, Mr. Cool on Fonz and the Happy Day Gang yeah, yeah. and Glomer on the Punky Brewster show. Like, yeah. like, why does this character exist? <laughs> it, it's it's like uh, it's like they were developed by a sentient bag of cocaine right. or something. <laughs> right, like, right. Some executive. Yeah. Some executive, like, no matter what the adaptation was, like, well, we need to add, like, a little sidekick character. <laughs> I was also really into um, the concept of I, w- I would like wake up super early, yeah. like at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the stations were test patterns, right. except like Channel 5, which right. would show Captain Bob. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, a crusty old sea captain who would like draw a pelican. Right. <laughs> and I would be like, like this is the punishment for flying right. too close to the sun. <laughs> um, so what about uh, film in general? Are you like a big film buff? I think so. I mean, it's yeah. ha- I mean you, you I know, mean, it's one of those things where... There's always someone who's more of a buff. Right, so, right. I mean, I'm a person who likes films. Right, it's, right. Uh, so it's hard to say. I mean, right. I, I think there are. It's always like one of those things where you, when you know people who are like so into something that right. you're kind of like, eh, well, maybe I'm maybe I'm not a film buff. Right, right. I enjoy watching films. Yeah, I know. I I recently came to the realization of that with like heavy metal, where I'm like, you know, I love metal, but. Maybe I don't like it as much as I thought I did because I, I find that the 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 amount of bands that I love is like shrinking in the style, like the the like black metal and that kind of stuff. I can't even really listen to the the screaming. Yeah, it's, I mean, especially with the still. internet, it's like it's very hard to to think that you're the biggest fan of something because there's, right. there's always someone crazier than you. Yeah, yeah, and so we'll go back to like talking about like collecting all sorts of music as as like a younger person is as you get older do you, do you still get that from music at all that kind of passion where you're like are there any new artists or have you gone back to older stuff that every so often i definitely have that that kind of older guy thing where i i'll listen to a lot of stuff that i listened to when i was a teenager but i, yeah. I still uh, my friend my friend Keith Darcy, who I mentioned, who had that show, The Pop Shop, yeah, he works in the music industry, yeah. and he will text me, like, check out this. Right, so right. he he um got me to like the Bedouin record. Mm-hmm. So he's like my friend who knows what is good and new. Right, right. Um, I'll stumble across things once in a while. Right. I was really into um, there's like a country singer named Laura Cantrell, mm-hmm. and I I really flipped for her. I thought, yeah. Thought her stuff was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um. And so it tends to be things that I wouldn't expect to to really hit me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
but the punk stuff like going back to like the punk and hardcore has that scene itself like just being involved in that as like a younger person do you find that that like affects your life now like just how you approach work or like family or friend like community and that kind of thing i think so i mean i think i think it would be hard for it not to yeah I think the biggest thing it did was it gave me like a bullshit detector. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the DIY thing kind of did that for a lot of us. And yeah, and I know like um, you know I, the friends I made when I was involved in that are still some of like my closest friends now. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I I still talk to Liam like once a week, and right. uh, you know Mike Bruso, and yeah. so I think. I think that aspect of it was really big. Yeah. And I don't go to a ton of punk rock shows these days. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I don't know if you do, but it's I don't. And the last one I went to was I guess the descendants. I saw Liam and, and the family there and so Yeah, I went to the I went to the Boston Descendants show. Okay. And that show was interesting because it felt like for about half of it, it was just sort of like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. And then it's, they'd play, they, they play certain songs, like they play Bikeage. Yeah. It's like a, a, a hole opened in the space time continuum, yeah, yeah. and suddenly yeah. I'm 18 again. Right, right. Um, but then I, I'm like, well, am I just liking this because it reminds me of being a young person? Right. So it's, I would like to, I would like to see, I, I really liked uh, Fuck You Pay Me. I thought they were, yeah. They, I thought they were really good yeah. live. It's, yeah. It's hard watching like four bands in a row. Like the <laughs> Isn't it though? Yeah, like and I'd rather just like talk to my friends. Right. No, I know that's what, yeah, same thing. Like when we went to that uh, when I met you at the the 7 seconds show. I didn't I mean I, that band the Zero Boys was opening. Yeah. They were a great band. Uh but I didn't really care. I was like I was more interested in just being social with people and then seeing, you know, 7 seconds was was great that night and that same kind of thing. I was like is this just kind of reliving my youth, or is it? But then I was like, no, this is just good music, and it was a good. Yeah, I mean, Seven Seconds was my, my first hardcore show too. Yeah, so I was. What year was that? Uh, I, I don't remember. It was like eighty nine, ninety. Yeah, it was the Soul Force Revolution oh, tour yeah. right. in uh, Providence. <laughs> yes, yeah. at the living room. All right. um, and it was one of those like, you know, I I told. I told my mom that I was sleeping over my friend Tim's house, and right. Tim told his mom that he was sleeping over at my house. Right. And uh, we went with like with like Liam and Mike and yeah. uh, the guy who ran this BBS called the Flying Circus. Yeah. And um, again, it was just like I was, I went to that hardcore show with the living room, and I was just like, "This is everything I want in the world." Yeah. yeah. Um, it was just like I had never kind of experienced something like that, and yeah. I was just, I had been to like concert concerts, right. but that was like. Being at a show like that, and I was like right up at the stage, right. and oh my god, I I still remember that show so fondly. Yeah. I mean the the clever ruse of the the sleepover got yeah we got caught and I right, got grounded right. for like you know, it was worth three or four weeks, but you know I would do it all over again. Yeah. So you had been to like so you were into like bigger bands before punk, obviously. What um, kind well, of stuff as like a, a young kid were you into? Before, well, I went to like in, my first concert was like REM. Oh, right. Like the Green Tour. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. That's a good first tour to see. Yeah, they were, it was great. Yeah. I um, never saw them. And that's one of those bands. I, they're one of my favorite bands. And I just somehow managed to just never see them somehow. I saw yeah. them on the Green Tour and then I saw them on their last tour, but that yeah. was it. Yeah. Um, and my wife got me tickets yeah. for the last tour. Um, right. They played Great Woods or whatever yeah. they're calling Great Woods now. And right. I had a blast. It was it was really fun. And yeah. then they, I don't think they said it was their last tour. They just, they just kind of broke up. Right. Um, so. Like Fugazi. Yes. <laughs> I'm um, still waiting for that announcement where they're just going to be like, Fugazi's officially broken up. Just FYI. Yeah, so. and uh, I, before that, I was into the Beatles, so I was yeah. into stuff that bands that weren't touring. Right, right. <laughs> um, like I, I, it suddenly hit me that the Beatles were, you know, had done all of these different things, and I got so I was like, when I was in like fifth, sixth grade, I was like heavily into the Beatles, which I feel like is a good gateway into liking pop music. Yeah, I think, and just I don't know, like culture and, and that, like as a kid, like it was. When my dad first like gave me those records, it was just I don't know for what it opened this whole real world of you know England and you know just 
It's interesting, yeah, because my dad definitely feels like he's one of those guys that's like the Beatles ruined everything. Yeah, like he's into doo-wop and oh, okay. like uh, the Spectre Girl groups. My dad's like really into records, but yeah. his interest in popular music like that ends in about 1963. Yeah, um, so he had like the first couple Beatles singles, right. like before they were on Capitol, but right. overall, like that's kind of when he lost interest. Huh. So was he a, a player in your like getting you into music and stuff? Um, I don't think, I mean, he was always listening to oldies radio, so I think that got me into it. So I still kind of like all those, you know, 50 songs, but I think I kind of came to it on my own. Yeah. Just, I think, especially someone like now that I have kids right? and I mean, they're very young now, but I'm always sort of like trying to resist the urge to be like, (laughs) I have so many things to tell you about the Clash. (laughs) 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 <laughs> like I, I think it's it's better if they discover it on their own. But it's like, right. what can you leave lying around? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. no, definitely. I would. I would uh, but I'm also not going to be like you know, if if I'm driving the car and they're in the car, then they're going to listen to what I want. Right. Play. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to put kids bop on or. or no. Um, <laughs> Cleo, my daughter Cleo, like she's yeah. she just turned three. She's yeah. um. She really likes um she loves you by the Beatles. Oh yeah. Like she go. loves that song. Yeah. And that's when I was just playing it. Right. And she like asks for it. So I'll play that for her. Nice. And um uh she likes Jonathan Richmond. Oh wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that'll be fun to like introduce. Uh So it's interesting what is... like what tracks with her. I was listening to Peggy Lee in the car with her and yeah. um is that all there is and and she she was like, I like this song. Yeah. Which was interesting to me. Yeah, too. yeah. Huh. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, so, yeah, to end it again, uh, to close it up, uh, you want to talk again about the uh, Neutral Nation thing? And I'll, I'll put a link on the, uh, on the, when I post this, and I'll push it in the intro and all that kind of stuff like I usually do. But, uh, yes. I think you said January 12th. January 12th. Screening of It's a Bash, followed by a Neutral Nation live performance coming your way at the Greenwich Odium in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. And if, I think if you Google Neutral Nation movie, that's a website, isn't it? Oh, I think Neutral so, Nation yeah. Movie. And if if you look up, uh, there's like an It's a Bash Facebook page. Yeah. So you can you can go there and find the link. And um, yeah, so there will be the movie and then a punk rock band will perform. Awesome. Just them, right? No, Just no. them, yeah. Any kind of like Q&A or any of that, that kind of thing, maybe? I don't think so, yeah. but I could be mistaken. Right. I feel like when I've done Q&A for the It's a Bash movie, Neutral Nation have been there too, and all of the questions are for Neutral Nation. Right, right. So I'm, I just feel like I'm standing there like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for doing this, and uh, yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, man.